that journey was really pivotal for me because I never felt like an athletic person or like a really strong person or like a resilient person. I didn't really view myself as that kind of person, which is funny because I can look back on my life and be like, I'm clearly a very resilient person. I just wasn't seeing it. And so that kind of was the physical manifestation of resiliency and being able to do hard things for me. So it really impacted my life, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally. You thought it, but we said it. I'm Alexis, a certified leadership and life coach, certified postpartum doula, sourdough educator, CrossFit level one trainer, birth fit coach, a beauty counter brand advocate, and a mom to two kids. And I'm Sam, a certified and licensed therapist and mental health first aid trainer in a nine to five-ish job, along with also being a beauty counter brand advocate, in addition to being a new mom and open IVF storyteller. We consider ourselves to be walking balancing acts and fellow mindset shift mavens. Perspectively Yours is our platform where we dive headfirst into conversations on topics that can make or break us. We speak to women about the things we often think but don't say out loud and how we can shift our perspectives around them to build our resilience and normalize our experiences. This is for the woman who wants a full plate and a full cup without burning out. We're sharing our stories and inviting others to the table to provide insight on cultivating resilience, shifting your perspective, and moving forward. So let's spill the tea and get started. Hello, friend. How are you today? I'm great. I got a full night of sleep last night, so that was awesome. First time by myself, in my bed. No kids ended up in there. It was like a miracle. How about you? Those small wins sometimes become huge victories. It felt like a huge victory. When I woke up just before seven to nobody, it was just me waking up and thinking, oh my gosh, I did not wake up one time in the night and nobody else is in my bed. This is amazing. That is amazing. We had one wake up, but it wasn't bad. We went back to sleep pretty quickly and then we got up at like 7 30, 8 o'clock, which was Ooh. nice. He's such a good sleeper that oh, I can't really complain. You know, we have our moments, but it's amazing how much a good night of sleep can do for you. Or when you don't have one, how bad it is. How bad yeah, it feels. I know. It really takes a toll. It really does. Yeah. The more that we age. But Alexis and I thought it would be really fun to give you a little bit more of an inside scoop on the two of us. So we are going to be interviewing each other so that you get to know each of us a little bit better if you don't know us already. And even if you do, there might be something new that you learn about us because I think that this podcast has certainly helped shift things for both of us and and where we're focusing. So we're going to do that. Yeah, I'm excited. I think that this is going to be super fun. Yeah, and we just want you guys to be, you know, part of the conversation. So although you may feel like you know us and a little bit about us, I am going to have the honor of introducing Alexis. Alexis is a mom to two kiddos and became passionate about supporting women in the motherhood transition after having her first baby and experiencing an intense sense of isolation, grieving the loss of traditional support systems for families we lack in our culture today. She's had a journey exploring it all, a degree in nutrition, birth and postpartum doula training, 
becoming a CrossFit and birth fit coach, a sourdough educator, and throughout all of that, cultivating a love of business and providing safer products through working with Beauty Counter. Her Beauty Counter work led her to mindset coaching after realizing success in entrepreneurship really came down to the stories we tell ourselves. She has a deep love of personal and professional development and is always looking for new ways of thinking. Her mission is to provide education and a safe space for mothers to feel seen, heard, and embraced by a community who gets it and deeply desires them to know they are not alone. Welcome, Alexis, to your own podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So great to be here today. (laughs) It's so funny as I'm reading your bio, because we wrote up bios for one another. I'm like, they sound so similar. So similar. They (laughs) do, which is so funny. And I didn't look at Alexis before we got started. And she, she hasn't seen mine. So I think that's just a true testament that many of the reasons that we're here are the same because we have a lot of the same mission. Mm -hmm. So I think the first question I have for you, because I'll be honest, as a a new mom and even working in healthcare, I don't really think I've ever understood the differences between like a labor and delivery nurse, a doula, a midwife. So how did you kind of navigate into that and decide that postpartum doula was where you wanted to stay for a while? And how did that connect with nutrition? Because my guess is you kind of navigated your way from nutrition into the doula training. Yeah. So the difference between doulas and like a nurse or a midwife or an OB, doulas are really there for mental, emotional, physical support. We're not medical providers in any way at all. We don't provide any medical support, unlike a midwife or nurse or an OB. So we're really there to serve the mothers who are giving birth. That's, I think that's like the root of the word is basically woman servant. And we're just there to to do all the hard work that is giving the mother what they need throughout birth and throughout postpartum. So the way that I ended up getting to postpartum care in particular is because I initially took a birth doula training because I thought, I mean, I kind of didn't really know about anything else. And I thought, I'm really passionate about this. I need to do something with this passion. And that was just kind of the easiest one to come across. There's like lots of trainings and lots of opportunities. And so I started with that. It was it was actually a really interesting process because I did not realize how much like trauma I was dealing with from my labor with Matilda. And so it ended up being a very emotional workshop weekend that I was not prepared for. Like I I was not ready for that. It was like it was so intense and really overwhelming. And I probably kind of like It was too much for the workshop space, I think. I went away like having learned a lot about myself and about about my experience that I had and realizing, I think a lot of the grief that I had was realizing that there was a lot of things that could have been done that were not. And so like that kind of sucked. And also it gave me a lot of information moving forward and a lot of paths to be able to help other people so that they could at least be given the knowledge and the tools so that They didn't end up with like a two and a half day long process of birth that just felt really horrible. 
So I did that, but then I attended a few births and I've really only attended like really close friends and family. And I realized very quickly that that is not the space for me, mainly because middle of the night wake ups and like being on call (laughs) for like weeks on end is just like not working for having small kids. I took that birth doula training when Matilda was one. It was like right after she turned one, I went and took that training. And like that kind of schedule just for me doesn't work. It's just not just doesn't work for having small kids to take care of myself. So I was like, man, what do I might what am I going to do? Like, even though I have all this like passion and knowledge, like what what am I going to do? And I eventually did learn about postpartum doula. Actually, one of the doulas in the training at the birth doula workshop mentioned postpartum doula. And she said, I think you might be interested in it because I am so passionate about the nutrition space too. And like nourishing new families is a huge piece of postpartum recovery. And so she mentioned that might be something that I enjoy doing because of that connection, because a lot of it is providing food for families when you're doing postpartum care. So eventually I just like, I think it was about a year later and I really accepted like birth doula is not for me, but I want to do something else. I explored postpartum doula training and found one and like the rest is history. (laughs) Like that was what, five years ago, I think five and a half years ago that I took that postpartum doula workshop and have really like that's where I've stayed in terms of like birth work. So yeah. So the first thing I think of is something you and I had talked about. Breadcrumbing is what I what I called it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's a formal term or not, but that's kind of the way I've described it. Again, similarities here between the two of us where you've taken pieces of what your training and skills are and your interests and weaves them into a career that felt right for you within your boundaries, limitations, and your patterns as well. And so knowing you, and and I think this is such a lack of focus in in motherhood, because and I want to talk about the societal piece of this too, is in taking care of the mom. And when I was pregnant, Alexis and I chatted at length about the importance of me being properly nourished at a later point. Knowing you and and talking about the importance of nutrition postpartum, I think I underestimated it until you and I had that conversation. And I would guess that there's probably a lot of moms that do. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember one of the first things you said is like, no salads, no smoothies, like warm, nutritious meals. And Mm -hmm. so I really love that you have found a way to marry nutrition with taking care of mothers, because I will say from my own personal experience, that was one of the hardest things was making sure that we were eating once we were mm-hmm. home. And I had mm-hmm. lots of family and friends here and bringing meals or cooking us dinner and bringing us dinner. And that was a huge help. And luckily, because of our conversations, I had really prepped quite a bit to have in my freezer. But to have someone coming into my home to help me, specifically me, would have felt so wonderful. But I mm-hmm. also want to know, because I would also feel some level of guilt. Mm-hmm. Do you find that a lot of women who you've worked with feel the guilt of there being a focus on taking care of them? Yes and no. I think that the people who will actually hire me to come into their home, they will pay me to come in and take care of them, have kind of worked through some of that already in just taking that step. Because I will get inquiries 
I'll get like one message. They want some more information. And then sometimes it will be, well, I think we can just make this work. Like, I don't think I need that. Or we can just meal prep on our own. And so those are the people that, yes, they probably do feel a huge amount of guilt because it is really all like what my services are, are truly to help support the mom and be able to give them the opportunity to heal and to bond with their baby. Like that is really my my purpose in the home is to give them the space to do that. I will say, though, for people who have hired me, a lot of the times it's second or third time moms who realize I needed this so bad the first time, and they still struggle with making themselves a priority in the tasks that they want me to accomplish. Like, the focus is taking on care of older siblings the most, like just make sure that they're feeling loved, supported, and well. And like, that's what I want you to focus on today. And like that, that ends up being like a recurring pattern. And I will oftentimes bring that up as like, you know, like, yes, this is a piece of, of your recovery is that your kids need to be cared for. And like, that can feel like a heavy burden for you when you're trying to recover and also like you need care too like me coming in here to take care of your kids like you need some you need some support as well on top of that like what do you need to do for yourself for your body for your for your emotional space like what do you need to make sure that you're prioritizing with this time that I might be taking care of your kids And that can be really hard for them to focus on, like to really get into what we can often feel like as women as very self-centered thinking of like, well, I need to be thinking of my spouse and my other kids and think about what they need. And that's what you're here to do instead of you're here to make sure that I get to do the things that I need to do. So that's where I've noticed it come up when I'm actually working with families. That's so interesting to me and it's so close to home because I think it's so easy for us as women to want to make our priority caring about other people. Mm-hmm. Like and that's because, really what it comes down to. Yeah, because it's honorable. It looks good. Like that's what that's what we get praised for as women is taking care of other people. And like that's typically traditionally the role that we are given. Like we're kind of we are. We're taught to do that from an itty bitty age that like this is what women do is that they take care of everybody else. And so it gets really uncomfortable when you get into that postpartum time when you really need somebody to come in and take care of you. Yeah. Instead of saying, I need the time to take a shower or eat a meal. It's mm-hmm. okay. I need to make, what is your priority for today? I need to take sure, make sure my kids are taken care of. I need to make mm-hmm. sure that, that mm-hmm. dinner is cooked. I need mm-hmm. to make sure. You know, it's it becomes everything about everything else, and it very much sits with me when I think about how I'll be okay as long mm-hmm. as everyone else is taken care of. I'll be okay. Yes, and I've heard that line. I've heard that line from moms. I'll be fine as long as everybody else is fine, and that is just not true. It's actually backwards. 
when moms are fine, everybody else will be fine. That's really what it comes down to. Mothers are so central to the like well-being of a entire culture. And if they're well, everybody else is well. And that means to getting the care and the support that they need. And it's not like like some people just really turn this into like, well, you're just being so self-centered, like motherhood needs to be selfless. And it's not that way, though. It's if you if the mom is getting all of the support that they need and the care that they need and they're able to like just meet their basic needs, like you said, you need to be eating well, you need to eat at all, like is just the first piece, but eating really nourishing food is really important, especially in that postpartum period. So you need that piece. You need rest. You need some like opportunity to integrate like the new thing of becoming a parent, whether that's the first time or the fifth time, like things change every single time. You need space for that. You need to not be the primary caregiver 24-7 because that is not something that should ever be the case for anybody. We've just kind of shifted into this culture of isolation and everybody does it. Isolation and individualism is really what it is. And like you just, everybody takes care of themselves, which isn't traditionally how it would be. Like we just all kind of be helping each other. If those things are met and moms are given some space to like be a human, they're going to be so well for their kids. They're going to be so, so well for taking care of their kids to be really present and not be dealing with the immense pressure of being the sole caregiver of these tiny humans who have really big needs. And it would just benefit everybody so much. We'd have well children if we had well mothers and well children grow up to well adults who are good functioning members of society and they can pass that on to their kids. Like it really comes down to moms being cared for. That is it. Not take care of everybody else and then I'll be fine. It's so the opposite. If moms are being taken care of, if I'm taken care of, everyone else will be taken care of. That actually reminds me of my family systems class when I was in Mm. grad school becoming a therapist. And we were talking a lot about how when there is a focus on I'll just illness, for instance, the whole dynamic becomes about illness. Yes. Um, But if you're able to fix and adjust the parent, and in many cases, the mom, the child, therefore, will improve as well. And we know that even when I worked in an outpatient working with children and families, you know, people would ask me, well, how do you treat a three-year-old or a four-year-old? And I mean, there's certain things that you can do, but you're treating the family system and primarily you're treating the parents Mm -hmm. because when you're able to create a healthy dynamic with the parents, the rest will follow because you are the leaders of the pack. So it's the same kind of mindset. Yeah. I mean, think about how we all feel like we were talking about sleep in the beginning. Like we all can relate to that feeling of just so tired for days on end. And how are you showing up in your family? Probably not at your best self. And it's not as though you use it as an excuse to for poor parenting and poor behavior. 
but it's the reality. Like you cannot go for days on end with poor sleep and expect that you can function well. Like you have to figure out ways for you to get the sleep that you need or to at least help your body to feel better when you're dealing with the lack of sleep so that you can then show up better for your family. So I want to segue into how kind of taking your own, making your own business really out of becoming a postpartum doula, right? Mm -hmm. How that then transitioned into CrossFit and birth coach, because those all seem related, particularly with the birth coach. And then how, how did you navigate that into beauty counter and my favorite right now, sourdough classes. So take us, take us through that journey of how, how one transitioned into the other. So the funny thing is, is that while birth, so, okay. So I got my nutrition degree. That was my bachelor's degree. So I graduated, I don't know when I was 22, 23, I think something like that. So that was like the start. And then after becoming a mom, I, I had not gotten a job in nutrition because I didn't get my dietetics piece. And so that's like really where the jobs are, unless you're building your own client business. Like that's where you're working in clinical settings and hospitals and things like that. So I didn't really have anything to do with my degree coming out of school. I just knew that that was what I was passionate about. And so I worked at a bank or at a credit union for several years, and then I got pregnant. And I was like, well, I'm not staying here for this. So I'm going to go be a stay-at-home mom and like just do that. And then that's when I took birth doula training. So in that year after having Matilda, I had a friend who was starting to teach classes at the CrossFit gym. And so I started taking her class, and that's when I got started going to CrossFit and doing that. And that was really, like, that journey was really pivotal for me because I never felt like an athletic person or, like, a really strong person or, like, a resilient person. I didn't really view myself as that kind of person, which is funny because I can look back on my life and be like, I'm clearly a very resilient person. I just wasn't seeing it. And so that kind of was the physical manifestation of resiliency and like being able to do hard things for me. So it really impacted my life, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally too. But because I was so interested in the birth space, I was seeing there is a disconnect here. There are physical things happening during pregnancy and postpartum that are not being addressed in these spaces appropriately. And it's causing it's causing problems. Like a lot of people deal with pelvic floor dysfunction either during pregnancy or after, and that can manifest in so many different ways. And when you are training improperly during pregnancy and postpartum, like it just exacerbates the issue. And so I had, I think the same friend who was teaching classes she, I'm pretty sure that she told me about BirthFit. And so I found them. And then I was like so amazed at all the things that they were teaching and sharing. And was like, this has to, like, this has to be brought in. And I told that friend, well, you should go like to their training and stuff. And she said, no, it's not really for me. And I was like, well, I'm going to do it because this is really necessary information. And, like, we need to be bringing it in here. It took me a couple of years to actually like become a coach. 
But that was like that journey. And a lot of my journey is learning things and seeing a need and filling this immense need to meet the need. Like if somebody else isn't going to take care of this, like somebody has to and that somebody can just be me. Which actually reflecting on it is like my entire life has been that way. Like that's just what I do is no one's doing this and this is necessary. So I guess I'm going to do it. So that's how I got started doing that. And honestly, I have not done a whole lot with the birth fit coaching because when I just started teaching classes was at the end of my pregnancy with Leif and then COVID happened and like gyms were closed and stuff. And just, I didn't really have anything to do with that. And so I haven't really used that very much, but it's a lot of knowledge that I have that I, I really love and I'm really passionate about it. It's just not something I'm practicing with right now. And then Beauty Counter was kind of in there like right after, it was kind of right around the time that I took my postpartum doula training was when I started with Beauty Counter. And honestly, Beauty Counter has like, this is not an income claims, go look at the income claims statement and everything, but it really funded all of the things that I've done from then on. Like it paid for me to explore all these different things and do all these different trainings and because like those are expensive and it gave me a lot of it just gave us the extra wiggle room to be able to just say well I really want to go I want to go do these things so that's really like how that kind of has fit in the whole way is I couldn't pay to go get my CrossFit level one or my birth fit certification and like I took several birth fit cert courses and things like that and like all the other things that I've done it just wouldn't be able to be as easily accessible if I didn't have that extra income there. Yeah. And what I wanted to talk about is, and I've, I've been talking about this quite a bit recently and how beauty counter and, and social networking, but I'll, I'll, we'll speak to beauty counter because that's what Alexis and I do, is that it really has provided an open door, mm-hmm. an open door for us to walk through for other opportunities. Yes. And but it also aligns so much with both of our values because if you're not familiar with Beauty Counter, and this is not meant to be a plug for Beauty Counter, guys, but we we will plug it because it really is that fantastic, is that the, the brand itself is a representation of using your voice for good to yes. informing and educating people on things that they should know and need to know and likely mm-hmm. don't know. That's mm-hmm. that gap that Alexis was talking about. And which is why I think it aligns so well with you, mm-hmm. right? Because it fills that gap of what people should be informed about, right? To make informed decisions. And it has opened the door for other possibilities. So when you have this extra stream of income and a brand that aligns with your values, you've now opened the door to other things that you can dabble in in entrepreneurship world that not only your businesses, but also become a passion and part of your identity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. The open door analogy is so perfect because the amount of things that I've been able to say yes to because of that has been huge. Like there's just so many yeses that I can give. And it's not as though, it's not as though I'm like, the top beauty counter leader or something, but I'm not, you know, it's not an insignificant amount of money that I'm making. It makes a difference. 
And so, and I really got passionate about loving the business side of it, partially because of that, but also because I realized too that that was just a part of my brain, like a muscle that I really wanted to be using is like thinking about things in a business way. And so it really filled that need too. Because I, I honestly, I really enjoyed working at the credit union because I, I enjoyed like numbers and just thinking about things in that way. <laughs> I also worked at, at a credit union. More that, more that ties us together. Oh, <laughs> that's so funny. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I worked and I worked really good under pressure. So when there was like the yes. rush on Friday, mm-hmm. I was like unstoppable. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And I I had my had my system that I kept to all the time. Like I just I loved that. And I knew that it wasn't like a career that I wanted to stick with, but I enjoyed that. And so I think having the beauty counter actual business side of things has always been enjoyable to me. And then also it opened up more doors for more mindset work and more more personal development because you learn as a business owner and a an entrepreneur that you are it. You're the stopping point. Like if you're having a hard time doing something, it's because there's something going on internally that's holding you back. And so I had to learn very quickly that I was in charge of how I thought about the things that I was doing and the stories that I was telling myself. I didn't have to take those seriously. And I could just work even with those stories going on. Like I can change it or I can just say that I don't want that story to be my end all be all. Like I want to continue growing and moving forward. And I can't do that if I'm listening to all these stories going on in my head. And this actually goes back to us valuing ourselves enough to be able to to say, I'm important enough to reframe, to think about things differently, to tell myself different stories. Because I often think about the people who don't define themselves as resilient, like you mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier, right? That it took a while for you to mention that. And or for you to recognize that. And I think about how often we feel we are resilient once we've encountered some big obstacle in life that we've needed to overcome. Mm-hmm. And I think that we so often minimize these obstacles or we are so avoidant of obstacles staying in our comfort zone that we don't give ourselves the opportunity to prove to ourselves that we are resilient human beings. Mm -hmm. And so some would assume it to be selfish to only worry about your own personal growth, but it's actually the most unselfish thing you can do because understanding your own need for growth is going to trickle down to how you impact other people. Mm -hmm. A hundred percent. And when you're working on autopilot, And constantly going through life, getting dysregulated by something someone said, something someone did, you're so stuck in your head and like your wounds and your experience, like you can't have, I don't even know how to call it, like an actual grown-up interaction with other humans when you're constantly just stuck in that whatever wounding is coming up for you and reacting to that and not actually looking at the at the situation a bit more objectively. And so 
that was a lot of what my work was doing is like, I need to look at everything that I'm doing more objectively with less emotion coming up for me, not like pushing the emotions down, but like noticing what's coming up and realizing this really has nothing to do with this person. And this is all a me. This is a me thing that I need to take responsibility for. And like that impacts my marriage, my relationships with my family, with my kids, with my friendships, everything, because I'm not taking everything personally anymore. So as we wrap up, I'm going to ask you three questions that we did not prepare for. So it's going to be like lightning round. Okay. Okay. One, what is your favorite food to nourish new moms with or that you recommend they? I always talk about having shepherd's pie. I give people shepherd's pie all the time because it has a good amount of protein and fat. You can put liver in it, which liver is like really super food, especially for postpartum. And you have carbs in there too from the mashed potatoes on top. It's comforting. It gives you everything that you need and it's easy to eat. Like it's just put it in a bowl and heat it up. So that's like my number one that I tend to give people. Awesome. Okay. Number two, what is your favorite professional or personal development That is very hard to say. (laughs) What's coming to mind is The Gifts of Imperfection. That was one of the first ones that I read. And the first, I think that that was such an impactful book for me. And I was recently going back through it because we had talked about it in our first podcast episode. And it is so good. It's just full of so many That's a Brene Brown book, by the way, guys. Yeah. So that one is so good. And honestly, I had come across Brene Brown before reading that book in some of her TED Talks. And I can't remember how I found it, but she was probably the most impactful person on my personal journey of growth. And I've learned so much from her. So much. Yeah. Same. I'll save that for my interview. Okay. Number three, what is, I'm like coming up with these off the top of my head, by the way, these are not <laughs> What is your favorite guilty pleasure? So we often refer to ourselves as scrunchy. I think, you know, there's, there's room for balance. It's okay to have some, you know, McDonald's French fries every now and then. So mm-hmm. what is your guilty pleasure? Oh, I love talking about this one because I think it's shocking to people. I have two, Diet Coke and Cheetos. Wow. <laughs> they are like, to me, it's like the worst of the worst, but I, I just, I love them so much. <laughs> I love Diet Coke. I'm not yeah. a Cheetos girl, but I like oh, Diet Oh man. I have loved Cheetos since I was a kid, like the crunchy Cheetos and we'd like almost never buy them, but occasionally we'd get crunchy Cheetos and it was like, oh, the best. So I try to find the better ones, not like the legit food dyed, really bad oils, Cheetos. I try to find the kind that are a little bit better, but yeah, that's that's me. (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you, Alexis, for giving us a deeper dive on you today. And honestly, I think this just confirms and reconfirms all the ways in which you and I are so similar and why we work so well together. So it is my pleasure to be your co-host. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for asking all of your great questions. And 
taken the time to dive deeper. Absolutely. It is my pleasure, my friend. Well, we will be back next week with my interview. Your interview. I cannot wait. Whoop, whoop. All All right. right. See you next time, friend. See you next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Just as a reminder, this podcast is not intended to replace professional medical advice or mental health services. If you are in a mental health crisis, please call the Suicide and Crisis Hotline at 988 or 911. Did today's episode of Perspectively Yours hit the spot? It would mean the world to us if you'd show us some love with these three effortless ways to help your fave podcast thrive. First up, the most important, never miss an episode by following or subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Just head over to our show page, tap the plus sign and select follow. Next, leave us a shiny five-star rating and review on your podcast platform. Your feedback helps us make each episode better and better. Last but not least, share your favorite episode with a friend. The power of word of mouth is undeniable, and we would be over the moon if you spread the love about Perspectively Yours. Before we let you go, here's a fun fact. We met through Beauty Counter, our favorite clean beauty brand, and are both brand advocates. If you've been looking for safer products that actually give you results, you can get 20% off your first purchase with the code CLEANFORALL20. Don't forget to follow us each on Instagram at Ms. underscore Samantha Kehoe and Alexis.TheNourishedBeginnings. Send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. Be sure to check out the show notes for any resources we mentioned. Thank you for being here. We are grateful for your support and love. Thank you.